everyone. Uh, welcome to Looking for Love in All the Wrong Dust Jackets, where a bunch of three awesome friends from college are going to talk to you about books and love and romance and spicy stuff. Today, we're talking about the Bridgerton second book, The Viscount Who Loved Me. We're a bunch of three. We're a bunch of three. That's what you said. <laughs> no, I didn't. We're a bunch of three. Okay, we're cool. That, I didn't say that. Bunch of three. <laughs> oh, a bunch of three. Yeah. <laughs> we're a bunch of three. <laughs> we're a bunch of three. Like, if I prepared oh these, would it be as much fun? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I like that. The, don't change a goddamn thing. It's perfect. We're leaving all this in. Please fuck it. No, I, I can redo it. I'll fix it. No, 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 no. no. We're moving Nay-nay. forward. <laughs> I thought I did so good. I was like, oh, I did it in one take. You didn't have us introduce ourselves, though. Fuck. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Wiggles. I'm one of the bunch of three. I'm Danny. I'm also one of the bunch of three. I guess I'm Liz, a bunch of three. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is my fault. I don't have the maturity for this. Nah. Whoever said we needed maturity for this? We're talking about spicy books. That's true. Wiggles, are you drinking a absolute mixed drink? Yes, it is an absolute vodka soda, grapefruit and rosemary flavor. My eyes are keen when it comes to hunting down what people are drinking. So am I redoing this intro or are we just leaving all of that shit show together? Oh, I think we're just leaving all that shit show together. It's I fun. think it is what it is. Uh, we don't really have a lot of trigger warnings for this book, except for our normal ones of, hey, spoilers, and uh, we, we swear a lot. Yeah. There's some, like, manipulation. Not a ton, though. Not anything yeah. like the first book. No. No, 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 no. That, that was a different experience entirely. I, I greatly enjoyed the second book a lot more than I did the first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I knew you would! Agreed. I knew it! Okay, so... There's not going to be any trigger warnings for this book because there's not really anything um, triggery in it. Uh, of course, there's going to be plenty of spoilers. And uh, if you've been listening to us at all by now, you know that we swear, we say crass things. And if you don't like that, you're probably not going to like the, the whole podcast. I think you should listen anyway. Maybe you'll learn something about yourself. Maybe you don't mind swearing. But, you know, that's a you choice. Maybe you've just never taken the opportunity to scream fuck at the top of your I mean, lungs. It's really and fun. once you get, liberate yourself, breathe through it. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. Well, before we start talking about them, do you think we should talk about what we've been reading, consuming, watching, uh, enjoying in the world? Sure. I can go. So I recently read a book, The Talking to Strangers, which is interesting. I don't have a full opinion about it yet, but... Yeah, that's what's currently on my list. I am reading The Perks of Loving a Wallflower by Erica Ridley. Um, It even has a little Julia Quinn quote on it that says, Erica Ridley is a delight from Julia Quinn. I think I'm... Do you concur? I'm about a third to halfway through the book. I'm disappointed so far, I gotta be honest with you. Oh no! I hate that. There are, it's set in the Regency time period, so just like Bridgerton, but it, you know how there is a writing style that is more typically used for younger audiences, not necessarily just yes. YA. That's what's in this. It doesn't feel mature uh, enough. Uh, yeah. uh, 
Yeah. And then I'm also listening to Reminders of Him by Colleen Hoover. And I got to say, I got to stop using Book Talk for recommendations because I don't like it at all. So I'm going to finish it. I felt that way after my first Colleen Hoover, too. I think, like, you got to... I don't even think, like, her books are necessarily... I don't necessarily have, like, a total negative opinion about them or anything. But I do think, like, it's a very specific type of reader. And I am not that reader. Yeah, it's just, like, one note of sad and depression. And, like, I don't need that Uh, in my life. And then they're like, but it's so romantic. And I'm like, are we reading the same book? Yeah. I think somebody... Some people just really genuinely enjoy their ennui, and that's fine. Um, I'm not that person. No, I get enough of that in, like, life life. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't need depression in the books I read either. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. I like a book that makes me cry, but it can't be all out depressing the entire fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I want ups and downs in my books. Yeah. Ups and downs. Right. Like, Me Before You, the book literally made me like stop what I was doing. I was cleaning my house when I was listening to it on audiobook. And I literally just like laid out down on my couch and like sobbed through the end of that book. I was just done. (laughs) Right. But like, there's a lot of joy and a lot of ups and downs in that book. So you're just like, okay, like, yes, depressing. And if you haven't seen it or haven't read it or haven't seen the movie, then I I guess like spoilers. I don't know. Like it's been out for a while. Um, But... (laughs) But, uh, like, I remember it got to their their big trip that they went on and the, like, confrontation that they have. And I was just like, don't worry, I'm just going to lay here and just sob. Don't, it's fine. I enjoyed that. <laughs> There's something to be said of the emotional release of reading a book like that where you have to have the big sob. Mm-hmm. Like, I always feel better right. after, after it. Yes, it's cut catharsis it's it's letting some of that built up tension Mm -hmm. off but if it's all that then it's not for me i like i don't get joy out of that i actually haven't been reading anything in particular um i need to go back to my roots which is discovering books by going to like the book section of walmart and just staring at the covers and see if anything jumps out to me i haven't done that for a long time because you know kindle (laughs) You know what you should consider? Go to, like, Goodwill and most of, like, a lot of the books that we've talked about, maybe not Lillian Larkin's books, but maybe, um, a lot of those books show up there because people read them and then they're like, well, now what am I going to do with it? Sure. And so they donate them. You could do that. I would do that. Because yeah. then I can also look at random shit at Goodwill. Half the books I own are from Goodwill. Back to Bridgerton. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. Although I will say, okay, so this will probably come out well, well after the controversy has passed. But in case, like, it's still happening, if you're one of those crazy fans that I've seen on various things of social media harassing the actors, calm your fucking shit. Jesus Christ. Like, um, the actress who plays, uh, shit, Penelope, Mm -hmm. is apparently getting a whole bunch of, like, hate mail and, like, death threats and, like, so is the actor who plays Colin um, for various reasons. And, like, they're making fun of her weight and all this other shit. And it's just, like, what the fuck is wrong yeah. with you as human beings? Do better. Ugh, God, I don't know. I don't know why some people 
get themselves so wrapped up in a book, a television show, whatever, that they feel entitled to, like, make somebody's life a living Yeah, world. there's no reason for that. Well, why? I thought people loved Penelope and Colin's story. Like, wouldn't you be excited? I can't understand the motivations of somebody who's like that, to be totally honest, um, because I'm not a psychopath. Yeah, fair enough. My my understanding is that they're mad because the television iteration of Colin is worse than the book version, and it's like eh, you know I haven't haven't read that far, so maybe you're right. But like even if that's the case, I'm sure the writers are finding a way to reconcile them. Well, like, but even the first two books, the they're like so. For instance, the second book, the show version of Edwina. Oh my God, mm-hmm. she's a bitch compared. Yeah. She's a oh, huge yeah. like, what bitch the- in the show as in comparison to the book. I have a lot of opinions about that. <laughs> and like when we do the second season episode, I have a lot of op- opinions about Edwina and Kate because I think that they're, the reason that people have such hatred for that version of Edwina is twofold. Either you have had a- Edwina in your life and you have not dealt with that trauma or you are an Edwina and you don't like the reflection. I know those people. <laughs> and you, you either get to the point where you like can can like be like I understand that you are very you're very self-centered and you're never going to like try and think of things from my perspective and I can now deal with you moving forward that in that way. But if you are that person and you're not ready to see that reflection, ooh, you're going to have a hard time. Her in the book is she really is a very nice lovely person Mm -hmm. and yeah they turned her i was like after after reading the book because i'd seen the show Mm -hmm. after reading the book it was like oh i like book between a lot better and i I like show kate a lot more Mm -hmm. i do love show kate i um but i think that the reason we like show show kate better than maybe book kate if you are in that camp is because they modernize yeah yeah i didn't dislike book kate i I just want to put that out there i I don't dislike her i just prefer the show version she's a much stronger person we also have to remember that the show didn't do this entire book and and obviously it couldn't do everything in a book but i mean the show ended when they got married Mm -hmm. whereas the book goes Mm -hmm. past that yes right and the show covered a lot of extra material and i think it was absolutely the right choice um, there was a decent amount of time where we see family dynamics between the three of them that we don't see in the books in order for them to showcase the culture that Kate comes from. Yes. Anyway, we're talking about the show a lot. <laughs> well, we probably want to do a brief synopsis of this book. So the basics here, and I could read the back of the book, but we'll just do the highlight. So this is Anthony's book. And he has decided he will take a wife because he needs to uh, do what the eldest do and provide an heir and, you know, do all the things he's supposed to do. Um, It's time for him to finally take responsibility and do what he's supposed to do. Yes. He's come to a wife at Wealthily in Padua. What? What was that? What was that? (laughs) It's it's a Kiss Me Kate reference because I'm a dork. Oh, okay. All right. Get it, Kate? Fuck. (laughs) My jokes are funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liz and I just laugh at her frustration. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is why we can't do brief synopsises. We got too many. We got too many shit. Too many things. Um, so. I regret nothing. One person will find that joke hilarious. I promise you. And they're going to be like, yeah. 
Good job. <laughs> so anyway, getting back to the synopsis, Antony needs to find a wife, um, but he does not want to have a love match because uh, he has a mental... I guess, block or, or this idea that he cannot outshine his father in any way. And his father died very young in his early to mid thirties. I think I think he was like 32 and then or is he 38. You know what? It's irrelevant. Yeah, that's fine. Um, he's convinced he's going to die the same age that his father did. Right. So he doesn't want to leave anybody the way his dad left his mom. So he's like, I'm just going to find some lady. We're going to marry. We're going to do the right things, pop out some babies, call it a day. So he decides he's going to take Edwina, who is Kate's younger sister. He wants to marry her because she is practically perfect in every way. That all goes about. But Kate is like, no, this man shall not marry my sister because he is a rake. And so they just have a bunch of conflict, a lot of the like enemies to lovers vibes going on. Which and then, I love. I, I love, love it. Enemies to lovers. Ugh. And then eventually... He kisses her. Great. Awesome. Love the kiss. And then she gets stung by a bee. And that's how his father died was from a bee sting. So he kind of has a panic attack and is trying to like suck the venom out. By the way, don't do that. It doesn't work. They they get caught with his mouth on her and they have to get married. And then they get they're married. And then they deal with his drama and they deal with her trauma. End of the book. And they all played pal mile afterwards. And it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Randomly, I did not know that croquet, right? Croquette? Croquet. Croquet, croquet. croquet is, a, is a food. Croquet uh, was ever... Croquette is a bitch. <laughs> croquette is a bitch. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you are a bull of them today. I'm sorry. <laughs> what I was going to say is that no croquet was ever called ball. So hey, history. Well, and they said something about it being a French game. I do love that they hid the they hid the the purple mallet from Anthony's, but he had to use the pink one. Yeah, that was pretty good. So, um, this book. What did you guys think of this book? I liked it. I liked it a lot better than the first one. Yeah, if you listen to us complain about the first book, um, this is a lot better. Uh, not just because it doesn't have the uh, massive trigger warning um, essay in it. It also, I think the characters are just better. Yeah. I, I, I like these characters. They're more complicated in a good way. Yes, mm-hmm. right? absolutely. I really have no desire to, to read about a one note character, whether they're good, bad, or otherwise. Like who, who here even enjoys like a, a one note villain? You're just like, okay, well, okay. right. Like, so you certainly don't want it in your heroes. I will say, though, like, I kind of cooled a little bit on the second, like, read-through. Like, I was just sort of like, oh, I wasn't as caught up in the moment. I feel like you have to read it from end to end to it and have quite as much enjoyment. Because I just kind of skimmed over some of the parts where I wanted to, like, re-remember mm-hmm. since I'd read this a few months ago. And I was just sort of like, oh, all right, well. <laughs> I was in the other direction, but I did actually do a full read, like, reread and. I actually even increased my rating on Goodread because the second time I was as excited about it, except for the end, but like, it's just because the end drags on. It, it, the end does drag on a bit. I, I did not read the book. I listened to it because ADHD reigns supreme in my home and multitasking has to be a thing. Um, so I listened to it, but there was a couple of parts that was very embarrassing to listen to out loud. I will say also I was working and so... 
like I know nobody can hear it, but so I don't know. <laughs> it's just my brain's like, ooh, somebody's gonna know you're listening to this. I certainly hope not because I work from home. Yeah, how that'd would be know? really fucking creepy. The only one listening is the goddamn cat, and I don't think she gives a shit. <laughs> I do like that. That's how they ended up getting trapped, is because of the bee sting and everything. Because like I could feel that almost watching the show that that should have been the moment. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because it would have been a very inappropriate situation. Even him touching her there mm-hmm. would have been a, nope, you're getting married situation. And they, so Kate and Anthony find themselves in a lot of situations where if they would have gotten caught, it would yes. have been. Right. And they consistently are like, I don't know why people are looking at us weird. It's like, like they like were rolling. Knew. Everybody knew. Well, they didn't though. That was a thing. Well, Edwina but- knew. Her, it, they kind of imply it that Violet was like, hmm, hmm. That's fair. They were given off weird they vibes, were given off weird at the very least. That people were like, hmm. But they were just rolling the dice so like much those, with this. that couple in your friend group that, like, has hooked up and they think that no one knows. And it's like, y'all are giving off. <laughs> Everybody you keep, knows. You just keep stop. giving each other those weird looks. We all know what's happening. Stop longingly looking across the room. Just go uh, over or there. Say we don't looking shits. across the room. We, no. Please, please stop. My <laughs> go home. Th- one of my favorite scenes, though, is his office scene. Obviously, he's a little too aggressive in that scene with her, but... It's a good scene. And it is a good scene. And he does back <laughs> off when she yeah. needs him to. He just, yes, he gets a little aggressive. I like it aggressive, though. I'm not going to lie. This is why my mother is never allowed to listen to this podcast. So, the office scene, Kate tries to leave the party. What? I'm trying to keep us on track, and y'all are just going 50 different directions. Have you met us? (laughs) Anyway, this damn scene. Kate's trying to leave a party Uh that's at the Bridgerton house. It's a musical review, whatever, who cares? And (laughs) she hears Antony and the opera singer, the singer, coming down the hall, uh, being all, you know, flirty, flirty, whatever. Because they've been making goo-goo eyes at each other all night, and mm-hmm. Kate has noticed. And so Kate's like, well, shit, I don't want to run into this. I'm just going to dip into this room. They'll walk past. I'll go back to the party. Problem is... That is the most relatable thing Kate does. Oh, yeah. She's book, like, I, I would, I would yeah. panic dip so fast. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm just like, yep, yep, yep. All this tracks. I remember at one point though, like during the scene, I was like laughing so hard I was like, I need to, I need to breathe before I can go forward because I was just like, I feel attacked. I feel personally attacked um, in this moment because it feels like the kind of bad luck, dumb shit that I would do. Where it's like it starts off with good intentions and it goes very sideways. And oh my god, continue. That's why you and Kate are very similar. (laughs) Very similar. She, you have. It's the avoidance yeah. response. You're like, no, fuck, I'm not dealing with this situation. I'm just gonna slowly back into this this bush and and dissolve. That Homer Simpson. Yeah, you just gonna Homer Simpson it into the bush. Um, and so that's the dream. Oh, I know. My goal in life is to be invisible, and I'm good at it. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, she walks into the this room. It happens in it being uh, an office study. And she's like, okay, cool. They're not going to come in here. Why would they? Only they do. Because, because of course they do. Because it's Anthony's <laughs> office. <laughs> because, you know, if you're writing a good farcical moment, that's that's, that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, so she's like, shoot, gotta hide under the desk. 
which I just am like, yeah, you have to. What else are you going to do? You can't just like pop out and be like, sorry, I was creeping in your room. Um, <laughs> Uh, like literally being in someone's bathroom, like digging through their medicine cabinet is the equivalent today. Like just being like, no, <laughs> I couldn't find your toilet paper. <laughs> so, uh, then Anthony and the, the singer are like making out and then Anthony manages to see Kate and, uh, ushers his lady friend out uh, and then has an, an interaction with Kate, which is very, very much the enemies to lovers. Like, what are you doing here? Why is it always you getting in my way? And then I kiss you. The important thing, though, is that he locked yeah. the door. Oh, yeah. He knew what he was doing. This was not um, the Anthony from the show, which is like constantly like forcing his hands to their sides, Ooh. and then failing, right? Yeah. This was him actively going, I don't give a shit anymore. We're locking the door. Rude. Like, I remember I was cross-stitching while listening to it, because God forbid my hands not be doing something. And I was in there stitching, listening to it, and then I, like, stopped mid-pull on string and just, like, stared at my phone as it made this scene happen. I'm like, what is happening? I loved it. Uh, it's one of my favorite things. And, Dad, that's, I mean, that's pretty much how it ends. That they kiss. Uh, Kate is very like, what was that? First kisses are kind of like that, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, you're just like, what? 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 Hold on. Well, and this is her first kiss ever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, processing that, like, you're just like, whoa. Like, she blue screened. That's what happened. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cue dial up noises. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, just no. Not one. Oh, my gosh. It's like, that's like the moment, right? Like every book has a moment where things, things fucking turn. The characters probably don't know it's turning, but we as the audience do. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment where you're just like, ha, this is where we're going. I should point out, um, <laughs> I know we're not talking about the show, but this is a big like difference between the show and the book. In the show, Kate is not involving herself in the season. She is there to find a, a mm-hmm. husband for Edwina and that's it. In the book, she is. She is looking for a husband she's herself. To be. She is act I mean, and like she's not trying super hard, but she is actively looking for a husband herself. She's more focused on Edwina than herself, but she is supposed to be looking for a husband as well. Well, that actually comes up later when Anthony asked her, he was like, So what were you I don't remember his actual question, but it basically was, you know, what were you doing? What were you planning for your future? And she's like, well, I I just kind of assumed I'd be a spinster. And he just, like, is so offended on her own behalf Mm -hmm. because of how little regard she has for herself. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things I really like throughout the book. Like, he he kind of, not quite, but kind of has that that Mr. Darcy, like, um, I think she's quite tolerable kind of, like, Mm -hmm. attitude Mm -hmm. to her initially. And then slowly throughout time, he's like, why don't you bitches think my girl's hot? Like, (laughs) (laughs) By the end of it, he's like, they're all fucking stupid. They all probably need to get smacked because she's the hottest bitch around. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Hold down. <laughs> it's like, it's fine. <laughs> um, but like, the funny thing about it is he does it entirely internally. So like, later on, when they're finally together, like, Kate's entire internal monologue is he doesn't really want to be with me. He's only here because, like, got trapped. of the whole B situation. Yeah. And then, like, 
yeah, he might want to have sex with me, but it's not like the big thing. It's not like he wanted Odwina. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm someone you can settle for, not someone that you want. Mm-hmm. And his vibe is actually the opposite. It's, this is a dangerous situation because this is somebody I could fall in love with and I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, and this is very much, this entire book uh, very much falls into the classic, I'm not going to communicate with you yep. about what I'm thinking or feeling. God forbid we talk about our feelings. Yes. And the consequences will be on us both. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They do manage to actually talk about their feelings, though, Yes, which is a big improvement from the first book, where they just go from, we're mad at each other, to, I guess we're over it, but we're never going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, Whereas in this book, they do start talking about that. But only after he makes a really big fuck up. Because skipping forward after their marriage, Anthony has several moments of realization of different things and between them all like has this full-blown panic attack and goes nope i'm out and like runs back to his pa- to his um mom's house and it's just like what the fuck are you doing bro do better what what is this and the whole time she just lets him she's like yeah you know what fixes that my girl eloise it's true because she calls kate she said i think she sends a letter to kate Obviously not called. That's not a thing. (laughs) But she gets a hold of Kate, essentially. And she's like, I don't know what the hell is wrong with him, but fix him. Get him out of this house. (laughs) Which is hilarious, because it's technically his house. Mm -hmm. Well, can you imagine if you were his brothers and you just, like, were watching that happen? Like, you were just like, the fuck, bro? Which is pretty much what they say to him. They're they're just like, why are you so stupid? (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? You're you're here at this stupid level, and you don't have to be. You could you could be over here where you're still stupid, but you're not stupid in my house. You're not stupid in my house, <laughs> and your wife fucks you. Go go yeah. be the less stupid. Go go away. Go away now. That scene that they have between Antony and uh, Benedict and Colin, where they're at the club, and Antony is just like sulking and being like. It's the worst. It's so. I might love my wife. How dare I love my wife? (laughs) It's so funny when Benedict and Colin are just like talking to him, but also like at him. It's really good. Stop being dumb. And that's like the sibling dynamic that I that I really appreciate Mm -hmm. because that's what true Mm -hmm. siblings are. It's not like. Oh, brother, how are you today? Like, that's, that is bullshit. It's really, fuck stick. Get out of my seat. Yeah. This is where I sit. You know this is where I sit. Why are you in my fucking seat? I have literally Jesus. walked into my brother's house and been like, sup, fuck face. It's just how we are. Yeah, I'm that's allowed to be that way. Nobody else is allowed to be that way. That's too. true. There are rules. There are um, rules. <laughs> but that's exactly also how siblings deal with another one having a problem. It's not like, okay, let's sit and talk about it. And like, here, I will be the shoulder for you to cry on. And I mean, that happens if it's super serious. But a lot of the times I'm just like, with my siblings, I'm like, hey, uh, what the fuck are you doing? This is real dumb. This is this is the thing you're doing. It's dumb. Yep. Stop doing you it. Could, you could do not that and it would be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm, okay. Well, and like, I, I, I really like earlier in the book when, when Kate and Anthony are just like starting to get to know each other and they, they already have that animosity going and Colin kind of steps in mm-hmm. and is like, um, so look, my brother's a dick, but you're being shitty too. And now you're both going to have to deal with this. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, what Colin does right away is he's, he, he's like talking to Kate being like, oh yeah, no, Anthony, he's, he's, you know, talk. It, 
he's talking you up or like trying, he wants to get to know you. And she's like, what? Okay. And then Colin's like, here, come, you know, nobody's dancing with you. I'll dance with you. And they're all just like standing in a circle before the next dance starts. And Colin's like, oh no, I have to go. Um, Anthony, you dance with her. <laughs> I'm just like that's a, that's what a sibling does. Yeah. That's oh, that's yeah. what you I do. will force mm-hmm. you to dance with this person because I think you're cute together. Yeah. I don't think it's because he thought they were cute together. It's because Anthony no, was complaining was, about her, yeah, and exactly. he's like, "Yeah, I will yeah. make you like, yes. I will make you dance." Well, doesn't even uh, I? Uh, I wish I could remember exactly what chapter it is so I could look it up. But he like has a line to her afterwards, like where they. Um, mm-hmm. Where she comes up to him and is like, why did you abandon me with your brother? And he's like, uh, b- well, basically, um, I don't like you talking shit about my brother, but my brother also shouldn't be talking shit about you. But like, I'm always going to choose my family first, by the way. And you're just like, that took, like, it went suddenly, like, very serious. Okay, like, and you were well, like, okay, Colin. Okay. <laughs> just talk about him like that. That's my job, but... Yeah. But also, <laughs> he much. is being a dick, so... Yeah. But also, yeah. Yeah, but he's also a dick, for sure, for sure, for sure. But you shouldn't call him a dick, but he's a but dick. But he's a dick. Yeah. But only yeah. I can say that he's a dick. You cannot. Yeah. To you, he is Mr. Anthony Bridgerton. Thank you very much. <laughs> to me, he's my dipshit older brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> To me, he's the guy that I will probably be pranking later on when we get home. So. <laughs> By the way, can you say what an MVP Newton is? Yes. Oh my gosh. That fucking dog. I love that dog. I love in the scene after like the the engagement's been forced and they're having a moment, if you will. Uh, Anthony's getting very fucking forward. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. And, and he's like, hold on. Before we go any further, I need this ugly ass hat you have off. I can't. I can't focus. And so he chucks it, and Newton's like, "Agree." And like, tears it up. I, I think one of the reasons that I love this uh, Anthony is because he's just like society rules. Did you know though? If you just like do it when nobody's watching you know where the fuck you want and that's his whole vibe is just like you just gotta not get caught it doesn't matter if you don't get caught i mean Mm -hmm. and as soon as like they they have to get engaged he's just like we're engaged now well come with me to this dark corner like pros and cons Yes, I have to get married to you, and I might accidentally fall in love with you, but pro, um, we gonna be banging. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes is there, it's after they're married, and she has been having tea, and he comes mm-hmm. in, and she pours him a cup of tea, and the entire time they are having a conversation, he is scheming in his brain how to get rid of most of the tea, so that when he yes. yanks her across the table onto his lap, it won't make a huge mess. Yeah, that man's Meanwhile, mind is in the gutter. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. like what it was? It's just like he's like, oh my god, but oh my god, but oh my god. I do really <laughs> enjoy the sex scenes in this book. Like they're not, they're not like overly spicy, but yeah, but they're they're there's a lot of build up to them, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. For instance, the tea. You know, he he is plotting because he wants her on his lap. So I got to get rid of most of this goddamn tea. And I find that so like flutter inducing. I'm like, oh, he wants her so bad, but he also doesn't want to make a huge mess. (laughs) It's adorable. He's married to her. All he would have to do is ask. (laughs) I do like that there's a lot of preamble because it's not like 
some scenes that you you read or or watch it's literally like um we've looked at each other uh for two seconds and now i'm gonna immediately just like shove my schlong in your business you know and you're and it's like anthony like part of what makes him i think a really compelling hero in, in in his story is that he appreciates women he might not always like them and he's very degrading to them and that's a problem mm-hmm. but um he appreciates them he like he's like i'm going to i'm going to find what you like and i'm going to repeat it and we're going to have a good time you especially that's really important mm-hmm. to me right and so i think that's part of what makes this scene so um enticing because it's not hey i'm just really here to get my dick wet yeah yeah absolutely because there are definitely ones where it's like you looked at her for like two seconds and now you fuck it raging erection and that's not how that nothing can satisfy it Mm -hmm. but like boom yeah their first night together um so their wedding night this despite like all of the nerves and and maybe antony not handling that situation the best he Mm -hmm. he does then shift focus to like how do i make this the best for her in fact he literally says it in the book mm-hmm. like this is this is all this is her night yeah mm-hmm. and i need to make it about her night mm-hmm. and yes. i was like yes please. Yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> well and it's like he's he says some things that i think like out of context sound kind of really bad and really pressury but like in the context of the time period, he is being gracious, right? She, like, even acknowledges that she's like, if he wanted to throw me over his shoulder, he could do that. Sure. There would be nothing for me to do but take it, right? And so, like, within the context of it, when he says, I don't think I can wait a week, I think that in his mind, he's, like, just expressing to her how much he wants mm-hmm. her and trying to reassure her, you know? But, like, it's sort of complicated, too, because it's, like, Kate is not sharing her reservations and what they are. It isn't that she doesn't want him. um, It's that she wants him too much, right? And so when it gets to the part where um, she finally gives in and he says anything, just ask anything of me or whatever it is. And she's like, just love me. Just love me. You're like, (laughs) like, I I can't help but feel bad for her because like he really doesn't want to. But one of the things I really like is, yes, the tension buildup is really great. But after they're married, the way that he is slowly finding different ways to be in her presence. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, no, that's, I just I wanted to do this thing. It's not because you're here. It's just because and it feels very like cute, like first love, like kind of thing, even though they've already like done the getting married having sex like that all thing now they're like cutely dancing around each other and being like oh, maybe you kind of like you oh, maybe kind of like you too then <laughs> so discuss- it's really cute having that reverse yeah you know instead of that being like the initial thing it's them discovering that they actually genuinely enjoy each other's company right yes which is how that would be back then like you didn't have enough time to get to know Mm-hmm. Whoever the hell you were marrying until you're married. God, that'd be terrifying. What if you married somebody? Imagine this is happening today, right? And like, so you've known this person for a month and you also fought a lot before you got to know each other um, and got married. And now you're just in this house by yourself with this dude. 
and you're supposed to get to know each other because you're going to spend the rest of your lives together and you're going to raise children together. Like, just thinking about that in a modern context, you can't even really rationalize it. You're just like, what? <laughs> At least I can't. Yeah, no, I can't either. I can't. I, I, no, I can't. But that is still somewhat, you know, existent in our modern times. There are still arranged marriages in other cultures. And sure. Yeah. I can understand it, right? Like, I get the concept of it academically. If you detach the romantic part of mm-hmm. it from from marriage, it makes all the sense in the world for it to be a partnership instead. Like, if you think about it in terms of, like, if the reason to get married is to raise kids, romance is, like got to be some of the shakiest ground to, to be building that on and that's what we like base it all around and so when you think about it from the perspective of it's a it's a task for you to raise this child in a healthy environment and all that and you go into it with that thought process like to me then arranged marriage makes all the sense in the world agreed i just it's gonna make me sound like such a bitter human being people annoy the shit <laughs> out of me so the thought of marrying somebody without really knowing them and then living with them and shit, I I would drown because people get on my nerves really easily. You know, I have found my peeps in there, my peeps, and there isn't going to be a lot more people added, I don't think, in, in the future. I've got the people that I really enjoy, and that's it, which is also why I am perpetually single, because people annoy the shit out of me. Well, and in a modern context, I don't know that Anthony gets to have love. Yeah. Like, if 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 he doesn't have the, the situation that's forced on him, like, even though there are really great things about him, he's a really interesting character, and I think a good character, uh, he doesn't he doesn't get to have love. Um, he will be married for his station mm-hmm. and, and his mm-hmm. wealth by some bimbo or something like that like there will probably it'll either be somebody where they're in the same circles or somebody that traps him into a marriage like that's that's how it would go in a modern setting and so thinking about like some of the choices he makes the things he does i think that that's one of my favorite things that they have in the television series is his mother basically like puts it out to him plainly and says like if you keep at it the way you are you're going to end up alone Mm -hmm. You can't be a shit heel like this. Which is all another reason why Violet is one of my favorite characters. Yeah, she doesn't show up in this book as much. No. Um, but when she's there, you know she's there. Oh, yeah. The hat. For instance, yes. you met, you mentioned the hat thing where he was like, that's a really fucking hat, hat, ugly hat. And he takes it off and throws it. He says something about, or she says something about their, they've been shopping all day. She, you know, I can buy another hat. And he goes, my mother won't allow you to buy anything that ugly and she like internally was like no she hasn't <laughs> because violet doesn't matter <laughs> yeah and it, i love that he's like ha, i knew it i knew it <laughs> um i also really enjoy that and this is common in a lot of characters that they have like a very similar or shared goal and then it just takes them a while to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So for both of them, it's protecting and providing for their families. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is something that comes up, I think, in the same scene with the hat, where Kate tells him, one of the things I like about you is that you will basically do anything for your mother. Yes, and do anything for your family in general. And I think he mentions in that in that scene as well that he is going to set up a dowry mm-hmm. for Edwina. That is later. That's the tea scene. Because she jumps oh. across the tea. She ends up actually jumping, yeah, jumping across. across the tea to 
attack him because mm-hmm. he wanted to set up a dowry for her sister so that she would have a better chance of finding a match. Yes. How much do you think a dowry was back then? Obviously, it varied based on how much money you had. Mm-hmm. But like, Antony's rich and he's titled. Yes. So how much money is he giving to Edwina for her dowry? Well, it's, it's also, there are two different types of dowries, right? There's, so there's like an initial lump sum kind of thing. So like in the first book, um, there is a discussion of like, this is Daphne's dowry. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like you can put it aside in like a trust you or something like that. You can put it aside for her or her and her children for in case something happens, essentially. Right, 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 right. Um, and so, so there's like a big lump sum kind of dowry. And then there's also like an annual salary kind of functioning dowry. So like, I, I keep going back to Pride and Prejudice, mostly because I feel like it's the one that most people know. But like when they're talking about, you know, he's, you know, a thousand pounds a year. That's what they're saying. They're saying like, you will receive from this fund a thousand dollars a year kind mm-hmm. of thing. Or a thousand pounds, excuse me. And so it really depends. And that whole like... If you do do, um, do do. If you, do. <laughs> if you go, <laughs> we're very mature. Oh days. my god, we're so uh, mature! All of our uh, fucking thirties, and we all giggled at do do. Oh my god, two two days into thirty four, and I still can't handle it. I'm thirty five. Thirty two, bitches. Yeah, because you're a Shut baby. Your warm mouth. Fucking <laughs> uh, Do you know what's worse? out my sister. She's twenty three. Yeah, that hurts my soul yeah. a little bit. <laughs> My little sister just turned 21, and I was like, you need to stop saying those things. They're so hurtful. Why are you trying to hurt me? Uh, Who's your favorite side character this time? That, okay, we can talk about that in a minute, but I'm going to totally side rail your entire thing. Just because of this one moment that I'm mad that we didn't get to have in the TV show, where... Anthony rescues Penelope know, from so Cressida Cowper oh. and her cronies. And I'm just like, why couldn't we see that side of him? Because that's, uh Like, it, it establishes, like, that in general, that the Bridgertons consider Penelope to be family. Yeah. It, it shows that they clearly do not think their higher rank or, or whatever makes any difference. Well, and in the books, they don't make it seem like they're real good friends, like their families are real good friends. Like they like them and everything, but they, mm-hmm. you know, they're not like super good friends. Well, in the show, they're good friends with the family, you know, Penelope and, and Eloise are really great friends. Colin and, and Penelope are really great friends and everything. And it, I, I feel like that sh- part should have been in the show because it shows Antony being protective over somebody he considers part of the family part of you know mm-hmm. one of his sisters at that point because she's always been around well it establishes actually a lot of things about Antony it establishes that rank doesn't necessarily matter to him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it establishes that despite the fact that he has both in society and in a lot of the book been presented as kind of a bad boy or like the bad guy mm-hmm. that he's not he's not that no it's, not at all it's all a facade no and it establishes that I love him. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That is that is the point where I liked B- Book Anthony. I was like, okay, you're in. You're done. You, you don't have to do anything else. You just need to not fuck up and we're good. I was like, go Book mm-hmm. Anthony. I do, I do greatly enjoy Book Anthony more. Mm-hmm. I enjoy Book Colin more too. Yes. Book Colin is a lot, at least in these first two books. Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, obviously we haven't read Penelope and Collins' book, and we haven't read... Benedict's book. Uh, Benedict's book. But this Colin is, I think, a little more boyish, a little m- much bit more... Playful. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that... And he's playful with intention, mm-hmm. which is really interesting, as opposed to just, like, I just feel like fucking up people's days. He's like... I'm making a point here. I hope that you're smart enough to catch on. Yeah. I, we don't really see a lot of book Colin, but I will say when he's there, he makes an impact. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that leads into the question that Wiggles cut me off on, which is who's your favorite side character? And I, mine is, mine's gotta be Edwina. God, I love her. Really? Yeah. It, book Edwina uh, is awesome. She's a lot better. She is she's not so smart and she is, weirdly insightful and maybe it's just because i feel really connected to her in a weird way not because like i'm also beautiful enough to be considered the diamond of the season or anything like that but i just i get really connected to her in the in the way of she could have anybody essentially for her husband and she's like i just don't care about any of the things society cares about i want somebody who Mm -hmm. can be a true companion to me well, and she wants somebody mm-hmm. who's an academic. She wants mm-hmm. she wants the smart person mm-hmm. that ha- is passionate about what they want and everything, which is what I do like about Adelina. I also really like that when she finds out about Anthony and, and Kate, her response is, oh, I knew it. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, right. she did. She is very intuitive. She, she understands people's... Um, I feel like she understands people's body language and their tone of their voice because at times when they're fighting i feel like they're throwing off some very sexual vibes fuck me vibes from their body language mm-hmm. not that she would realize what fuck me vibes are but it would be abundantly clear that they're fighting but they're they don't mm-hmm. dislike each other well it's her sister mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think not to continue to bring up the show but the one gripe i have with the show is that's your sister and uh-huh. and that's somebody you spend almost all of your time with and you can't figure out that she's got the hots for that guy well and then she gets in the show she gets so pissed and mm-hmm. just screaming and telling her that she hates her and all that shit and it's like that is your sister the and literally a per a, a sister that has practically raised you right she has taught you fucking everything and you think that her whole purpose in life is to take this person from you. She stood at the fucking altar with you, was going to watch you marry him and be happy about it. So that's why I like book Edwina as probably my favorite side character. On on the note of like who she's interested in, I will say, I think that one thing Julia Quinn does really well is she recognizes that it's more than physical. Mm -hmm. Like, none of her pairings that end up together are ones, or at least so far, right, um, are ones where, like, it's purely superficial. Like, there's there's a component of it that you engage my mind. You, mm-hmm. Make, mm-hmm. you make me interested in you as a human being, and that's what's interesting. The fact that I find you very physically attractive is a huge bonus, but... It's not the only thing. Yes. And so, like, having Edwina be so interested in having someone scholarly makes sense it's like i can't tell you how much that like that matters i don't need you to be somebody who's like a harvard doctorate graduate right you know but like 
if you're the type of person who who looks at the world and says, I don't want to investigate further, then I don't want to investigate whatever this is any further, right? And so, and I think that, like, with Kate and Anthony, like... Their dynamic is a little bit more emotional than than intellectual, but it's still very much something where it's not just a physical lust that's bringing them together. And I think the, the the part that we haven't talked about, and we don't have to fully get into it because we're still on the question of who the fuck your favorite side character is. <laughs> um, is staying on track is not this episode. No, mm. I don't. Not the name of this episode. But we haven't talked about their shared trauma. And by shared, I don't mean that they both had the same trauma, but they both have trauma, Kate and Anthony, from their childhood, or Mm -hmm. I think Anthony was like 18, where they lost a parent and they were there when it happened. And Mm -hmm. that's something that once they get married, they both have to resolve together and individually. And Anthony does the most fantastic job of helping her with her situation. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason I fell in love with him is I was like, you're so supportive. Look at you Mm -hmm. being the perfect supportive husband. Yeah. Well, I think that's why some people had a big issue with the change in the television show about the thunderstorm. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's one we haven't really talked about. So it turns out that Kate is deeply terrified of thunderstorms. She doesn't know why. Um, she's been hiding it from her family. And it's just like... Yeah, Wiggles. Ooh. That's why Kate and you are the same. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, you're just going to hide your trauma from your family? <laughs> Feel that. I don't know. remember what I was going to fucking say. Oh, yeah. Kate. So Kate, you know, she's the type of person who's hiding her trauma from literally everyone. And so in that... In that thunderstorm scene, she's, like, tucked under, like, a table or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but, like, Anthony doesn't see her at first. And then, like, hears something and realizes that she's not even present. Like, she's not in that room right now. She's basically catatonic. Right. And he sits with her and he, like, coaxes her out of it, which is something she hasn't had since she was a child. Because she realized that she didn't want people, like, worrying about Mm -hmm. her. And so she just hides it from everybody to the point that when eventually they go and talk to her stepmother, Mary, about it, Mary is, like, shocked because she thought that Kate has gotten over this. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, kids don't hide your trauma. It's not worth it. I get why people were upset that it was just sort of changed to this, like, another sexual tension moment in the show because... It was more than that. It was bigger. That's, like, that's a... I am bonding over... The fact that we both are a little bit fucked, mm-hmm. especially with Anthony's trauma being what it is, and that his, you know, he had to sit in that room with his dead father for how long, mm-hmm. dealing with that, I think is really important because it's part of what brings them in some ways back together in the end when he finally comes to his senses. Yeah. Well, there is something very real, not just like a trope in books, but very real about people bonding because they have not necessarily, again, shared trauma where they both experience the same thing, but they shared trauma. Traumas that bond them because they, they become exactly. each other's support system for those traumas. Right. And that is something that it's important in the book. Like, mm-hmm. if you take that out, the book can still be written without it, but it really adds so much more depth to both of their characters and their relationship. Yes. Well, and I think, uh, God, here's the, the thing, too, about Kate's thing. When when they do finally have that conversation with Mary, and it turns out that her mother has died in this, like, 
really specific, horrific yeah, way. Horrible. I was shocked and mm-hmm. and horrified listening to that. I was that. just like, why? That's so unnecessary. Right? I, <laughs> Fuck. I, I was like listening to it. Because it was, you know, it's towards the end-ish of the book. It's not like mm-hmm. the end of the book, but it's towards the the back part of the book. And so I was like listening, cross-stitching, you know, doing that ADHD bullshit. And like stopped again and just like stared at my phone as this was un- unveiled. This horrible way that she died and just the way that it implanted itself on Kate's mm-hmm. psyche. And I was just like, oh my god. Why? Well, the thing is, is like she had to die in that horrific way, though, for Kate to both not remember it and have mm-hmm. so much pre- like existing trauma yeah. from it. Yeah, it's not not fun to read in your romance book something that horrific, but it is such a defining piece oh, to great, Kate. It gives a great depth to her character yeah. and shows, you know, it can. It also does show that sometimes when you have something that horrific happen Mm -hmm. it's more it's not even necessarily that she remembers it consciously but her body is still showing the trauma she still has the fear behind it without Mm. even really understanding yeah Mm -hmm. and that balances really well with Antony's where he very specifically remembers every single moment of his father dying and knows why he has the like trauma and emotional damage that he has but he is incapable of like looking at it in any logical way well not necessarily he remembers every second of his father dying because he wasn't there well yes he he remembers him like what he was doing is what i mean and like being a part of it well and i think too uh it's it's sort of complicated and i think that anthony's feelings after kate has processed this trauma is really complicated because well, yes, hers is like this very deep-seated childhood trauma. Like she was like what three years old or something like that when this happened, yeah. mm-hmm. and Anthony was nineteen when his dad died. Anthony has the full scope and understanding of his trauma versus she doesn't know exactly where it's coming from, right? Yeah. But she gets to heal from hers, and he doesn't. He doesn't get that catharsis, mm-hmm. and he I, kind of does at the end where he's he does eventually for sure. Yes, but like the. That moment in the book when Antony is thinking about how he is so grateful that Kate was able to overcome her trauma, but also so jealous. Mm -hmm. Like, that Mm -hmm. also felt so real. Like, Mm -hmm. you can have those dichotomies of emotions and thoughts in in yourself and they are very difficult right. to juggle and understand you can cheer somebody on and simultaneously wish it was you exactly right yep. uh i think getting back to way back when you had a a question for us who is our favorite side who character? the fuck is your favorite side character <laughs> <laughs> like default you know uh i didn't notice them as much in this book i felt like they weren't present enough personally like just side characters in general yeah like they just felt like they honestly were in their own universe i mean if if i was to pick somebody right now and they weren't there for much of it i would honestly pick mrs featherington because she was hilarious like (laughs) when she like comes in after they've been caught she's like oh i knew it oh Oh, my god oh my god (laughs) I I love when Anthony's like, mother, will you get this bitch out of here? (laughs) 
I cannot. And she's like, oh, are you going to let him speak to me like that? Uh, um, and so, like, yeah, if I had to pick one right now, it'd be, it'd be her. Mine's going to be weird. It's Newton. Mm-hmm. He aggressively loves Kate and Edwina's mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> aggressively loves her. And, and Mary's like, no, no, no. Yep. No. <laughs> Mary can't stand him. And he just wants her to love him so much. Come back here and love me. And he, he pretty much aggressively loves everybody. And so like to the point where he pushed people in a fucking river. Yes. Because he aggressively loves Edwina. <laughs> Which is another great scene that we have not talked about yet. Because yep. that shit's hilarious. The way that Anthony is, like, mad at Kate and he's like, Why can't you control your dog? What the fuck? It was an accident. The best is that afterwards when Kate asks Edwina, like, What did you guys talk about? So Anthony takes Edwina home after all that because she's, like, soaking wet and will catch a chill. In fact, she actually does. Mm-hmm. And Edwina's like, I don't know, like the weather. He asked me how I was doing. <laughs> I don't know. And Some basic bitch shit. Yeah. Yeah. And Kate's like, what? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, we just nothing happened. And I, I'm like, see, Kate, he obviously likes you more because you guys always have something to talk about. Yep. You're always one snipping at each other. I love watching them snip at each other. Oh, it cracks me up. I'm like, you just, you just want to pick at each other just you have something to say yeah they like want to be on top essentially is kind of a lot of their conversations as they're trying to get the upper hand shut up don't i know the look on your face liz they do want to be on top yeah they do want to be on top (laughs) (laughs) i saw it click in her brain i saw it happen i just didn't want to interrupt you (laughs) but they they want to prove who's smarter, essentially, all the time. And it just cracks me up because they're just making asses of themselves. I do really think we haven't touched on it a whole lot, but like we've touched on it a little bit where Kate just really doesn't love herself. I think she loves like a lot of aspects of herself, but she just like seems to have this internalized negative she voice. Has, yeah, she kind of has an inferiority compass. Complex. Complex. Thank you. Speaking's hard. I got you. My tongue died halfway through that through that sentence. <laughs> um, she kind of has an inferiority complex. Complex. Why do I have a problem with that <laughs> fucking word today? Um, I'm joking. Sorry. Um, I, it's because we're a group of. Uh, what is it? We're, we're a group of three. <laughs> we're, a bu- we're a bunch of three. We're a bunch of three. Bunch of three. We're, we're a bunch, bunch of three. Of three. <laughs> and I'm going to say that every time now. <laughs> Do it. We'll laugh we're just a bunch of three. Time. We're a bunch of three. <laughs> um, but yeah, she really has an inferiority complex when it comes to her sister, essentially. Because mm-hmm. in comparison, Adina is more conventionally attractive, has better manners and everything. And so she just assumes that everyone thinks that she's more, you know, that... Edwina's more beautiful, Edwina's better, and all of that thing. That's not necessarily true. No. And Antony basically has to break that down, like, for her, and almost yell at her in the middle of their wedding night that, like, she is absolutely beautiful and gorgeous, and he wants her. Mm-hmm. And it gets better, obviously, after that. I wish she maybe would have come to some of that realization herself, but I understand that that's hard to do. Well, and here's the thing. I don't think that necessarily I, I i would disagree with 
her having an inferiority complex. I think she has a, um, I think that her situation is very similar to the martyr mother, which is that I'm going to sacrifice everything for you. And that eventually makes you more valuable, right? And she's been doing that for her sister and her stepmother this whole time because she doesn't think that she should have to keep her. So in the exact reverse of the attitude from Ever After, she's basically like she has the mother that the Baroness should have been, right? And so her way of looking at that is like, you didn't have to do that. I could have been the Cinderella in this situation, And because of that, I owe you, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that because of that, and this is, I think, a little more even emphasized in the television show, I think I pity, honestly, Edwina and Mary, because when you get to a point where somebody feels like they have to carry burdens that you can't see, Mm -hmm. that means that they are not going to go to you when they need your help. Or when they need help in general. She's going to go to Violet. She's going to go... She's going to lean on their family because they've always been that. Mm -hmm. Versus Mary and Edwina are becoming that. Um, This is, uh, again, especially in the television show. And so I think that the thing with Kate, she values herself enough to decide, I would rather be alone than to be with somebody who's going to settle for me. To be somebody's doting wife and mother to their kids when they can't even be bothered to love me. So I think that I don't think that she really has an inferiority complex. I just think she's been told her whole life that she is not as beautiful as Edwina. And eventually she starts to believe that. Mm -hmm. And you compound that with the fact that she's now living this martyr life for Mary and Edwina, therefore placing more value on their lives. It's specific to them. Mm-hmm. Like, if she was comparing herself against some other girl, she wouldn't have an inferiority complex about it at all. She might not think she's as pretty, but I don't think that inferiority complex exists beyond that. No, and I know it's just, it's specifically to Edwina, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she has been told her entire life how absolutely stunning Edwina is. And it's not that she holds any animosity towards her. She loves her sister. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. she expects it, accepts it as a reality. And it's not... Mm-hmm. She just isn't as conventionally attractive as Edwina is, but she has a lot of things for her that are very conventionally attractive, you know? Well, based on descriptions, I don't think that... I mean, we're talking about book Edwina here, but, I mean, if we're going to talk about show... Uh, Kate and Edwina. Show Kate is one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. Oh, I know. I just stare at her. It's unbelievable that you're like, no, she's not as pretty as Edwina. In what universe? (laughs) Right? Well, I think part of that comes to, and this happens in real life all the time too, like just because like fashion and society says like this is the look does not mean that Mm -hmm. everybody agrees agrees with that. And there are plenty of people who like find different people attractive like you might I might be very attractive to one person and not very attractive to another person and like I haven't changed it's just different people like different stuff people want what they want yeah there's nothing wrong with that it it goes back to that idea of like yes I can find you physically attractive but I'm more attracted to your mind Mm -hmm. I think that's what makes Anthony so compelling to her and makes her want to be able to fall in love with him and the fact that he's starting off the conversation with I can't ever fall in love with you and I won't that's where the pain aspect of it comes Mm -hmm. in and makes her wonder if it 
he was with Edwina, would he still have that opinion? Yes. Because he doesn't clarify his his justification or reasoning for that, no. ever. One of the things that they don't touch on at all in the book, and I hope they do, that Julia Quinn does in future books, is she, Kate, went from being untitled and poor that's the whole reason that like edwina and kate need to find somebody to marry they are very poor they can't afford another Mm -hmm. season and Mm -hmm. she goes from that and then thinking that she is undesirable unwanted nobody's gonna love her she's gonna live in the country as a spinster to married to one of the i think he's supposed to be one of the more attractive men definitely one of the most desirable men in the ton Mm -hmm. she is now a viscountess like Mm -hmm. she is the viscountess now and she's got, she's fresh as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's not going to know what to do with yeah. that. She's going to be like, well, and she kind of touches on that. She's like, she said, I'd say I'd make you buy it with the, with the hat thing. She's like, I- I'd make you buy me a new one, but you've already spent all this money on me. And he's like, I did. And that's how you get the like, oh yeah, Violet Bridgerton has been like making me go buy dresses. Yep. Dresses. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know what to do with that. Every, she made her go shopping all for all this shit. Which, I gotta say would be like that's something I've always never been able to relate to with the the like makeover montages and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I'm just like I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I'd be like, you mean I gotta try on more dresses? Wasn't that one good enough? Like, <laughs> can can I go home now? I would be like, so upset. I'd be like, can you just pick out whatever fucking dress you think I need to have and we can go? Like, I don't I don't have time for this. I don't want to wear a dress in the first place. Number one. Number two, like, how many of these do I actually need to own? Because I won't be wearing them every day. What the fuck? Well, wouldn't be able to handle it. This is where I'm very thankful for my mother, who we have both always been the people that are like, okay, I need jeans. We're going to go the minute the mall opens. We will pick out, like, three pairs of jeans, and then we fucking leave. So I guess that the next thing to talk about is our ratings. Our ratings. So romantic. What would you rate? Oh my this? god, it's a five. <laughs> I got four. <laughs> the, the way the way that you instantly turned into like a fan a girl. girl. Yeah, you're like it's a five. <laughs> uh, what do you do? Uh, I I would also give this like uh like a four point five. Yeah. I think. What about spice? Two. Uh, you know. It's it's a bit more. It's a it's a bit more than the first one, but it's still. I think like, it is still a two. I like. I give it. it like a three. Yeah. I think I give it a three. I I could be sold on either a two or a three, so I guess that leads me to two point five. That's how math works. Yeah, fair enough. I think the reason I give it a three is well, yes, they don't really have sex until like close to the end of the book, but like there are a lot of things leading up that to is true. that are for that time period wildly inappropriate. <laughs> We talked about spice romance, so I guess it's just the overall. Like, what's your rating, Lance? I give it a three. I liked it. I it's a not three. It's not my Ooh. favorite. This book is like okay. I rated it a five, and I understand other people wouldn't, but this book is at least a four. You rocking in here with a three? Historical <laughs> romance is not my jam, though. Ugh. I'm. <laughs> I liked it, but it's not my jam. I well, we've seen what my jam is. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I feel like we've only uh, I've, we've only begun to see the iceberg that is your jam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wiggles, what about you? I rated it a four. <laughs> so I think for people listening, the spectrum here is I I'm at a five uh, because I both love historical romances and I very specifically love these characters. Wiggles, you're at a four. Danny, you're mm-hmm. at a three. So I don't know. Who's we to all, say? 
we all like different things yeah. though. It's it all is personal preference. And like I said, historical romance is not my big jam. I like more science mm-hmm. fiction and that kind of thing. That's just how I roll with my romance books. Okay, so the one segment we haven't done yet is what would you recommend? If you liked this, yeah. The miniseries North North or South? Or is it North to South? It's North or South, isn't it? North and North South? North That's what yeah. it is, North and South. Love, love, love. And if, you've, if you find Richard Armitage, Armitage? Mm-hmm. I think I said it right, ish. He plays the romantic lead in that one, and it's just like, oh boy. <laughs> and it's it's nothing happens, and yet everything happens. It's one of those that's like the longing looks are intense. That's mm. all I'm saying. The uh, miniseries is really good. I haven't read the book of that though. I know it exists, I but I haven't either. read it. It's on my list, which means that I'll, I'll get to it in like ten years when it's no longer relevant to why i want to watch it fair enough i do it all the time i read it another really good enemies to lovers that honestly feels like maybe it was the inspiration is uh william shakespeare's much ado about nothing oh i do love much that is true it's one of my favorites in my opinion the best iteration iteration in film form is the kind of kenneth brana one it's got emma thompson who we stand in this house so Okay, so we'll go ahead and wrap this all up here. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you, and I hope you appreciate us. This is Looking for Love in All the Wrong Dust Jackets. If you want to find us out on any of the socials, we are at Wrong Dust Jackets or Wrong Jackets, um, because I think it's Twitter. It does not allow you to have longer names. Or you can find us on our website at uh, wrongdustjackets.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye now. Bye.